Hey, before we start this episode, we have a couple quick announcements. We're trying to get on iTunes' new and notable page. We think the best way to do that is to get as many of you, our listeners, to rate and review the podcast as we possibly can. Our goal is 60 ratings and 25 reviews by the end of April. And to help us reach that goal, we thought we'd sweeten the pot by offering you free stuff. At the end of April, we will hold a raffle where we pull five reviewer IDs out of a bowl and send them some dope school just swag. For further raffle details and how to participate, visit us at our brand new website, schooledyapod.com slash swag. We're running out of space on SoundCloud, so we built a website to host our archive pods and to provide you with more ways to interact with us. That website, again, is schooljapod.com. And for the raffle details, go to schooljapod.com backslash swag. And now for the show. This time on Schoolja, Clint and Chad blather on about optimizing short lunch breaks, lay out some teachers' stereotypes, and report on what's happening in their lives in the new final segment called Dad Chat. Okay, enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, this is Chad in beautiful Astoria, Oregon. And I'm Clint in sunny Roanoke, Virginia. And welcome to episode 5 of Schoolja, the podcast where two middle aged teachers, dads, and hipster doofuses talk across the country about their combined 30 plus years of educational experiences. And anything else we can come up with. It'll be six out of six on the rubric. The goal is to make a podcast that teachers and anyone else tell your friends find us fun and interesting as the teachers lounge during lunch, but without the complaining. We don't complain, we scaffold helpful advice to increase collaboration. So Clint, what's the worst part about being a teacher? The pay. Well, besides that. When kids puke in your classroom. Gross. No, not that. Not being able to pee when you need to, which could cause bladder infections and other serious health issues. You know what? Enough guessing. I'll just tell you. It's the stupidly short lunch breaks. Oh, that was literally my next guess. I bet. It can be a real challenge to get enough to eat and actually relax with only a few minutes we're allotted. And just figuring out what to bring can be a total chore. So here's a few tips to help make your lunchtime, no matter how short, be the relaxing food extravaganza you always wanted it to be. Okay, so my first tip is to have stored food for emergencies because we all know that sometimes in the morning you might get up a little bit late or you're a little groggy. You make a delicious lunch and you accidentally leave it on the kitchen counter and you can't get it. I've done that too many times. Yeah, it's super annoying. I know some people that get five or six microwavable meals and just stick them in the freezer at work. Right. And then if they ever forget their lunch, they have something that they can use. What I usually do is I have a loaf of bread and some peanut butter and jelly at work. And then I can always make mm -hmm. peanut butter sandwiches, which I enjoy. I also have in a drawer in my classroom a bunch of granola bars and trail mix and other little snacks and sometimes they're nice because you can share them with people if they ever show up to work and they've had that problem yeah you gotta be the hero i really miss watching you make a peanut butter <laughs> and jelly sandwich yeah i have never seen someone more deliberate in particular when they are spreading their <laughs> jelly and their peanut butter on a loaf of bread and uh, it's really a thing of beauty well it's got to have peanut butter on both pieces of bread and don't use right. too much jelly and uh, make sure that the peanut butter gets all the way to the edges I've kind yeah. of become a stickler alright well I'm going to go to tip number two and this is the one for me I am a huge smoothie fan one of the things I love about the smoothie is just the convenience of it I bring a smoothie every day to work and I usually have it during like the morning break it kind of gives me that energy I need for the, for the rest of that 
long morning. But to be honest, I think the reason I like it the most is I just love them so much. If nothing else, it's just a big morale boost. I know that sounds silly, but as the break's coming up, I kind of look forward to getting to have that smoothie, and it's kind of a treat for that long stretch of the morning. But does it last pretty well? Because a lot of times my smoothies, like, separate and get gross. Yeah, the sm- it's never as good uh, by the time I have it as when I made it that morning before I left for work. It does separate, so I usually have those Nutribullet cups uh, with the lids on them, and I give it a really good shake, and usually it's pretty good. So I'm going to go on to tip number three. What I like to do is to try to make sure that I make a larger-than-necessary meal the night before for dinner because that makes it so that I can have delicious leftovers the next day. I love having leftovers. In fact, just a few weeks ago when it was my birthday, the day before I made fajitas, so that way when I got to work the next day, my birthday lunch could be delicious leftover fajitas because that's my favorite. Yeah. I really like having a nice warm meal, Yeah, and leftovers do it well for me. Sometimes leftovers are better the next day. There's a lot of foods that I like better the day after anyway. Yeah, they're kind of like a stew. Like when it sits in its juices for a while, It enhances the flavor. Right. And tip number four, make your food ahead of time, like on Sunday nights. What I've really started doing lately, and this really works for me, I I really like just having a really big salad at lunch. I found that when I was eating a lot of heavier foods and stuff, I was just kind of dragging through the afternoon. So the last couple of years, I've gone with just eating a really big salad. And my go-to move is to, on Sunday nights, use a slow cooker to uh, cook a bunch of chicken or pork. And I'll kind of pull that all into just a big bowl of like pulled chicken. And uh, I mix all my salads the, the, the Sunday evening before the work week. I put them all in different Tupperware containers. And then my lunches are done for the week. It sounds silly because it probably only takes a few minutes every morning or in the evenings to pack up a lunch. But as you know, when you're really busy, those few minutes make a really big difference. So it's, it's kind of like the peace of mind of knowing, hey, my lunches are, are all done for the week. Yeah, that's a great idea. In fact, if you don't really love salads like, you know, normal humans, (laughs) what you can do instead is uh, you could make kind of that big Sunday crock pot of something that you do like. Yeah. Uh, It doesn't just have to be salads. So, yeah, making that stuff ahead of time can really, really help. But the most important tip of all, eat. And take a couple minutes to relax. It can seem like a waste of a half hour when you could be grading or planning or answering emails or all the things teachers have to do. But if you don't take a little time for yourself, you're going to burn out. Or at the very least, you're going to be a lot more cranky when your kids come back into class. (laughs) I pretty much have to have some adult conversation just so I can stay sane. Usually in the morning, something crazy will have happened in the classroom or somebody will have said something silly. Right. Or I need somebody to talk to about the thing I saw on TV the night before or whatever. And finding some friends and eating together and joking around is one of the best ways for me, at least, to de-stress and continue to enjoy my job even on the tough days. Sure. You know, and for some people that really do want some solid and aren't necessarily looking for a social lunch, I would also still suggest finding a place where you can eat away from your desk or your classroom. Find some lunch activity, you know, whether it be maybe reading a book or scroll through your Facebook or Instagram or even just go for a walk if it's a nice day, but get out of your classroom for a few minutes just to kind of step out of that environment and recharge those batteries for the afternoon push. Or you could just listen to our podcast. Not tacky. Sorry. Shameless plug. So those are our main tips for making your lunch break the best it can be. What do you do to make lunch work for you? Email us your tips at schooledyapodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear them. You can also post your ideas on our Facebook page at schooledyapod. And now, let's take a quick break. Today's episode of Schoolja is brought to you by Mail Shrimp. 
inundated with work email? Is your inbox overflowing with group messages that have nothing to do with you? Are shrimp-portant emails about the theme for the next staff potluck getting drowned out by invites to IEP meetings and collaboration celebrations? Then you need MailShrimp, the only email service with highly sophisticated customizable filters that remove the nasty shell and weird black line of poop type emails out of your inbox, leaving behind just the juicy meat of the message. With MailShrimp, the shrimp possible becomes possible as the flotsam gets filtered out of your inbox, letting you shrimplify your life and get down to what really matters. You'll krill for MailShrimp. MailShrimp is underwritten by Red Lobster. Welcome back. There are lots of different types of teachers out there. Thank goodness. That's right. If everyone taught with the same style, then lots of students would be left out with no one teaching in the way that works for them. But sometimes those types of teachers can get locked into something kind of silly. Stereotypes. Some are good, some are bad. But at one time or another, we all embody at least one of these teaching stereotypes that shoves us in a box. A box that we're going to open and make fun of right now. <laughs> all right. Here we go. So the first one that I that I think of, probably because it's me, is the early bird. Yeah. Like the kids don't have to be in the building, in the classroom, ready to go until 8.42. I arrive at work usually between 6.30 and 7. Wow. So I'm usually there a couple of hours ahead of time. Right. Which is sort of silly, I think. There are other people that show up that early, but mm -hmm. not very many. Most people show up around 8.00. And, you know, have a good hour or so, 45 minutes to get themselves prepared. But for some yeah. reason, it takes me two hours to prepare well, myself. And, I, you know, I'm the same way as you. I, I don't get there that early. We start at eight. So if I was kind of coming as early before school as you were, I'd be rolling in much earlier than that. But I think it just really depends on kind of everyone's a little different. I don't think there's a right or a wrong for, for this, but... I definitely am a person where I want to feel as prepared as possible before the day starts versus getting ready the night before. Right. I know some teachers that, that roll in as late as possible and they do just fine. And that's kind of how they like it. And they probably like to have their morning at home or in bed or whatever else keeps them, keeps them there. But I think it's just, I'm not really comfortable and, and ready to go until I get in there and kind of double check everything. And plus for me, I like to be totally ready and kind of just in the mindset of teaching probably 20, 30 minutes before the bell actually rings for class to start. Right. I hate when we have like a staff meeting or if I have, let's say, a, an IEP meeting or something that brings me right up to the bell uh -huh. and I literally get to my door with kids waiting. Mm -hmm. It totally throws me off and it just gets me off to the wrong start. So I really like to have kind of that quiet time in my room, kind of just preparing for the day. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But I think sometimes we take it to extremes. One of the reasons that I like to get there so early, and this is fairly ridiculous, I get there early so that way I get all of the work I need to do done before any of my friends show up. And then mm -hmm. I tend to stop working and just talk and <laughs> hang out. So it's a little silly. But when I worked at Astoria High School, there was one teacher who I could never get to school before. And there right. was no way to beat this guy. He was no. always there. I like. I think he slept there. It was crazy. All right. Well, let's move on to the next stereotype. We're going to talk about the copier killer. Ugh. That teacher who's always either just burning through copies like crazy and also tends to be the one who oftentimes is breaking it. Yes. Having a functional copy machine is like the lifeblood of a high school or any school, probably. Right. And there's always somebody who just has terrible luck and it 
it shuts down when they touch it. You know, it's funny. I'm guessing because your school is much bigger than ours, you have more copy machines. But we only have two in our building. One is in the main office and one is in the teacher's lounge. And uh, when that thing goes down and they send out that email saying the copy machine's down for the day, you can almost hear like a collective groan throughout the entire school because that really throws people off. Well, and it's especially bad when you're getting ready for the day and it breaks down on someone else. And so you go to yeah. one copy machine and then you go to the next copy machine and there's lines all over the place and you just don't know what to do with yourself. And uh, to go along with copier killer, there's also the person who's like the copier killer and doesn't try to fix it. Just like, oh, it's jammed. Right. I'll walk away. Right. And so the next person shows up and is like, oh, great. And they have to try to fix the copier. Yeah. I don't know what's going yeah. on with, with that person who just walks away. Come on, put up a sign or something. The good thing is you can usually trace back whatever whatever crumpled up piece of paper you find in there. Usually is some sort of identifier as to who the culprit was. Yeah, you kind of feel a little bit like you're a true detective or something. You've right. found the clue. <laughs> Jinkies. <laughs> Just tape it to their tape it to their door and walk away and they'll know Man. you're watching. Man, I've never done that, but now I really want to. All right. Well, let's move on to number three. We're going to talk about that person who's out there. They're retired, but they just won't stop subbing. You know, my parents were these people. When they retired, yeah. they almost immediately went back into the classroom. It, I guess there's something about being a teacher that makes it, gets in your blood and you don't want to stop. And again, no offense to anybody. I mean, more power to you. We need good subs. And a lot of times retired teachers are the best subs to get. Absolutely. The one thing that's great about when you get one of those retired teachers is you definitely don't have to worry a lot of times about the management classroom management that's true or I don't ever feel like I have to be nearly as detailed with my lesson plans because I know if something doesn't go well they can they can pull something off yeah and one of the best things not necessarily when they're subbing for you but when they're subbing for somebody else in the building those are the days that you want to go to the main lunchroom wherever most of the staff eats uh -huh. because those people are gonna have some stories <laughs> you get somebody like that and sometimes they will have taught some of the teachers yeah and they will tell tales on them and yeah. it is glorious we have one I usually see him at least once a week hi Gary hopefully you're listening Oh, Gary but he's perfect I always talk to him about you know kind of his plans and he's like I won't do more than three days a week he'll only sub certain subjects yeah he's fantastic and if you get him like a day after he went fishing he'll bring in like yes. some smoked salmon dip and yeah. it's amazing yeah gary if you ever want to send any of that stuff up to me here in virginia i would totally eat it i would love it so what, what else do we have well another one that we have is there's some teachers that really don't have anything else that they're doing they don't really have much of a life outside of school and uh these are the teachers and this isn't a bad thing but uh, a lot of times these are the teachers that go to every school activity they're there at prom they're there at every jv freshman and varsity sporting event they have instagram pages where they post pictures of their students doing cool things and they just have everything going on in the world except for anything that's not school related. <laughs> and I always wonder if those people just like get inside of a weird tanning bed type situation over the summer that kind of sustains their life. Like what do they do with themselves? Some sort of floating liquid. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like in the Matrix, those pods that the people were like stuck in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just imagine, like, how much do they dread having spring break or even worse, <laughs> summer break? What, like, there's nothing to do. And again, I respect and I appreciate the passion and the dedication. But sometimes you worry, man. Yeah. I mean, it, without without that life outside of school, and I know we talk about that a lot on this podcast, is 
Uh, you got to ha- find that balance somewhere along the way. And then the last one is one that I am definitely guilty of. I suspect that most of us were when we first started teaching. And those are the teachers who are all fun all the time. And there's very little learning. Right. The kids love you. They love to be in your class. They tell the principal, oh my gosh, I love Mr. Hill. He's so fun. What are you learning this year? I'm not sure. Sometimes they make it hard for the other teachers because, right. well, Mr. Hill's not making us do this. Mr. Hill's not having us do work in Mr. Hill's class. We're just watching a video today. That can be a little frustrating, but I, man, I think we've all been there at some point. Yeah. I mean, I, I hate to admit it now, but I can agree with you. I look back to my first year of teaching and this is really embarrassing to admit, but did you ever watch Head of the Class? Head of the Class. Yes. I remember Head of the Class. I remember that show just being like these these kids and they're in this class. I don't even know what he taught. And they all just had this really great kind of social dynamic and they just chatted. And I remember one kid sat in the back with his like computer the whole time. And oh yeah, when I started teaching, I just imagined that my classroom was just going to be this really free flowing, super chill kind of environment where kids just could kind of come and go and just learn. And, and that I still think the entire time I thought it was going to be this awesome learning environment, but I wanted to make sure that it was just super, super fun. In hindsight, it was, it was not good. Yeah. There were a lot of things that I did that were fun activities Mm -hmm. and it actually took me like three or four years to realize that those fun activities that yeah, kids have good memories of didn't really teach them anything. Right. Like at all. And then I think as you get more experience, what happens is you're able to do a better job of trying to combine both. Right. There are definitely times when I check myself and I'm like, oh yeah, don't, right. you're not, you're not their friend, but it is still fun to play with them every once in a while. You know, I had, I had a coworker say something. I know he listens. Hi, Matt. Something about, you know, letting students know that we, we aren't your friend, but we can be friendly. Yeah. And I thought that was a really good line of like, there is a line that I am your teacher. We can be friendly and we can get along and we can joke and we can have a great time. But when the rubber meets the road, my job is to make sure that you're learning something. We have way more of those teacher stereotypes that we've got on a list somewhere, but we don't want to end up making this a five-hour podcast. So we'll revisit this subject later, we promise. Do you have a story about your favorite teacher stereotype? Find us on Twitter or Facebook at SchoolDiaPod and join the conversation. And with that, it's time for a word from another of our sponsors. This segment of School Dia is brought to you by Smelly Safe, nose defense system. Let's face it, some of your students don't brush their teeth. Others just haven't realized that they're at a place in their life where they should consider showering after PE class. And even when one student isn't the culprit, often your entire class smells like an assembly line at an onion sandwich factory. As a teacher, we notice thousands of smells each day and most of them are quite unpleasant. Give your nose a break with Smelly Safe. The revolutionary invisible nasal plug designed specifically for teachers who put their olfactory nerves through a virtual dairy farm each day. Quickly and easily apply Smelly Safe inside the nasal cavity for a relaxing, stink-free class. Smelly Safe technology is designed to allow for easy breathing while filtering the noxious fumes radiating from little Bobby after a sweaty day on the playground. Buy our fragrance-free Smelly Safe or choose from a variety of pleasing scents such as Hawaii, Ski Lodge, Cinnabon, and our best-selling aroma anywhere but here. Find Smelly Safe on shelves at Ticho Depot or the Edu Station and finally enjoy breathing again. Smelly Safe. Because we all share the same air. 
Not for children under 18. Lightheadedness, common with smelly safe. Discontinue use if you experience hallucinations, sudden outbursts of vulgarity, or chronic nose bleeding. Smelly safe should not be used at high altitudes or low altitudes. Smelly safe has not been approved by the FDA or the NCA. And we're back, and it's time to top this episode off. But we're going to do it in a slightly different way than we have before. Well, we just renamed the segment to Dad, Dad Chat. Chat. We realized that what brings us the most joy every week was our families and all the awesome times we have as dads. So we changed the name to match that idea. Basically, when we're not being teachers, we're being dads. So most of what we'll talk about here is not just our families, but all the weird stuff that happens outside of our classrooms. All right, I'm going to go first. So, Clint, have you heard of escape rooms? Yes, there are several in our town, but I've never done one. Okay, so basically the idea with this escape room is you get quote-unquote locked into a room with a group of people and you have to figure out some sort of challenge or puzzles uh, to, to get yourself out. So a few weeks ago... A good friend of mine was celebrating his 38th birthday, and his wife arranged for us to uh, to join them, and it was super cool. So we show up to our adventure, and we're greeted by uh, a guy named Ken. He uh, introduced himself as the Game Master, and uh, this is pretty nerdy. I mean, you're basically live-action role-playing. Right. He sets the mood for us, the table for us, and that we are recruits for a spy agency, and one of the spies has gone missing, and so we're going to go into his apartment and look for clues to try to figure out what's happened. Mm -hmm. The only other thing he tells us is that we should politely ransack the place. Essentially tear the place apart. He said just, you know, obviously if something doesn't feel like it should be moved or opened, then it probably shouldn't be. Right. Don't bash holes in the wall. He also said, if you have any pocket knives, don't cut open the futon. (laughs) (laughs) And as we're all laughing, he's like, well, I have to say that because it's happened before. (laughs) So he gets us in this room and essentially it's like a small apartment and we just start going at it just pulling stuff off shelves and and taking things out of drawers and you can tell they're all clues Uh but you really can't piece it all together none of it makes any sense and then one of the things you start to discover is you start to find these red timer digital clocks that are attached to bombs right and so you end up finding like four or five of these bombs within the apartment and then the rest of the time you spend essentially unarming the bombs Mm -hmm. and 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 it was just it was fun i mean it was it was a challenge i love board games Uh so there's a ton of strategy and then trying to like do it working with other people right. and you could kind of do some stuff independently but then you'd kind of come back and share ideas and then also doing it under a time crutch mm-hmm. if you don't get in the 60 minutes like you're done yeah the bombs go off and it was super high tech there was a lot of like lasers and pointing at things on the wall and at one point we had to shut off the lights and there's all this code that was written on the wall and glow in the dark ink and oh wow anyway it was a it was just a ton of fun and like a rush like a a, a real adrenaline rush to kind of be on the clock and be doing something like that so it was super fun i totally recommend uh giving it a try and and uh if you do i'd love to hear about it i'm a little bit afraid of doing an escape room because i'm not super great under high pressure situations (laughs) i start to get a little panicky and i don't know if you recall going through the uh haunted house with me i tend to just jabber when i'm nervous right and so yeah i could see a lot of people just saying clint shut up clint Clint, go over there (laughs) sit on the non-cut up futon and be quiet i think you'd like it so what do you got so what i have is i have three children and one of them is 15 years old now here in virginia you have to be 15 and a half to get your permit so he is approaching that time and we're gonna go and get him his permit here pretty soon that means i'm gonna be teaching him how to drive so that's a little bit scary because it's dangerous Thinking about this reminded me of me learning how to drive uh-huh. and how the, how scary that was. I don't know. This was maybe two months into having my permit. Uh-huh. I had saved up my money for months and months because I really, really wanted a Super Nintendo. So I go and I spend all of my money 
and we come home and my parents owned a big old Suburban and my dad wanted me to wash it. So I put mm -hmm. it in the driveway and I was washing it and whatever. And then my dad was like, okay, I need you to move it, park it on the street so we can put another car in the driveway and, and wash it. And I was backing up and backing up and it was really slow and I had to kind of go up a little bit of a hill because, you know, there's like that little gutter. So it wasn't, I wasn't pushing hard enough for it to go up. So I started going and then I started to go a little bit too fast. And so I went to mash on the brakes and I missed the brake pedal and I hit the gas pedal. <laughs> and all eight cylinders of the <laughs> Suburban just started to roar loudly and I panicked and I smashed right through the neighborhood mailboxes. Just totally oh took them all out. The back of the truck was all dented up. And my dad comes running out, waving his hands. And he's like, stop, stop, stop. My dad kind of looks at me with his look on his face like, and you spent your money on a stupid video game machine. <laughs> I, just, I just felt like such an idiot. But it did teach wow. me to like really distinguish between the gas and the, and yeah. the brake pedal. So while I am excited to teach Ty, I also kind of know that there's going to be some bonehead move like that right. in my future. And right. I got to just remember the times when I also was a teenager and yeah. not very good at these things and, and be real patient. But right. oh, I'm, I'm excited and also really trepidatious. Yeah, yeah. Someday I'll share with you the the story of my the first day I got my license. That's for another <laughs> another show. Just be safe out there, Ty. Well, that's our show. Thanks for listening. You have a question? Have any funny stereotypes to share? We have an email address for that. Contact us at schooljapodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at schooljapod. You can also find me on Twitter at Astoria. Follow me on Instagram at chatterboxes and don't forget about our rad new website, schooljapod.com. The lovely intro and outro music you are rocking out to was performed by my amazing wife, Nikki. And all our sponsors are fake, but our artwork is not. Big thanks to Corey Logan for our fantastic cover design. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe. And go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. It will help other people find us. Remember, we're trying to reach the goal of 50 ratings and 25 reviews by the end of April. If you review us on iTunes, you could win some free swag. See our website for details. Thanks for listening. See you soon.